0: Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Late Night Linux Extra, recorded on the 19th of November 2020. I'm Joe and with me is Brent. Hello, Joe. Thanks for joining me, man. It's uh, good to finally have you
1: on this show. I think we've, uh, I did brunch with Brent with you. That seems like a million years ago now. Uh, it really was. Um, I, memories from that, but it's good to get reconnected. That's for sure. So I've got you on because of brunch with Brent, because
0: that gave you an opportunity to get an insight into the minds of open source people and the personalities and the characters of people who are involved with it. Before we get into that, though, let's cover a little bit of your background for people who don't know you. You're from Canada, and at least before of this madness, you were a professional photographer working on Linux exclusively, right? Not even primarily.
1: Well, every single system I ever touch for my own uh, personal and, and professional use was uh, is Linux based, and, and still has been, and has been for something like ten years now. Wow! And that's with Darktable and GIMP and stuff. Yeah, primarily Darktable. It's been it was the tool that showed up right when I needed it uh, back then to make it all possible. Uh, before then, some of the tools weren't quite. Weren't quite there for what I needed, uh, and it certainly wasn't without compromise. You know, I was previous previously using the Photoshop and and things like that, Lightroom. Uh, if anyone's familiar with some photography software, uh, but Darktable really f- um, gave me the tools I needed to do the professional work that I needed to do. And uh, these days, it's doing it extremely well, and sometimes even surpassing some of the commercial software. So that is, uh, I would say that's an unsung hero of our little Linux world, but maybe we can change that.
0: So I mentioned Brunch with Brent. That was a show you did for nearly a year. You did 33 Mm. interviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them were double episodes, split in half or whatever. People are going to want to know what's happening with that.
1: Yeah, it's been, uh, I, I would say this year, Everyone can agree has been a little funny. Uh, so there have have been some some things in the professional world and the personal world that have changed that just sort of put on hiatus. But it's not going away. Um, there's been a lot of sort of background effort in maybe doing a season two coming up in a in a month or two. Uh, so there's work happening, but there's uh, more work that needs to happen. So it's it's not gone. It's just kind of on pause currently, and we will see where it goes. So. I would say, um, keep looking. It's going to come. And
0: so for people who never listened to it, what was it? It was an interview show with people from all walks of life within the open source world.
1: Yeah, I think the idea uh, for Brunch with Brent was to have kitchen table conversations with people in the Linux world without necessarily having a strong filter on who that might be. So it could be a regular user. It could be someone who sits in server rooms all day. It could be a founder of a distribution. It could be someone who previously founded, a, you know, a business on Linux, but is now a voice actor, for instance. Or it could be someone who is working with mainframes or someone who is a podcast personality or you know, it goes on and on and on.
0: But you were quite involved with the community beforehand. You'd been hanging around the Jupyter Broadcasting community for years, and as you say, been using Linux for 10 years, and you're not the kind of passive user who just Mm -hmm. sits there and uses it and and doesn't get involved. So you've had an insight, quite a broad insight for about, you know, nine years or whatever leading up to this, and then quite a
1: deep insight into these Mm. people for the year or so that you've done it so far. Yeah, Joe, you know, that's so interesting because I so often see myself as simply an observer of what everyone else is doing. And perhaps that's from watching things like Hacker News and maybe our Linux or uh, things like that and just seeing so much scrolling by because I think on a daily basis, you know, there's a lot going on in the Linux world, as certainly, you know, covering it uh, weekly and biweekly for many years now. So you talked to some
0: people who were just users and enthusiasts, and some people who were developers. Did you notice a difference in attitudes from the different types of people?
1: The biggest pattern I noticed in all of the guests, despite their different backgrounds and their different experiences and different levels, you know, some of the guests had been users of Linux for decades, and some for a few years. Uh... But there was one thing in common that I really loved seeing, but wasn't sure I was going to see through these conversations. And that was just a deep sense of collaboration. And that was really interesting to me. I got to chat with a few people who are founders of distributions. And through asking those questions, of like, you know, how do you see the Linux user landscape? And the answer was always that they're trying to collaborate with everybody and that the developers and maintainers and, you know, founders and people who run conferences, they all collaborate between distributions and uh, between podcasts and things like that. And I don't think that has always been the view of most, I'll call them listeners, but most, uh, most of the people that aren't involved in that way. And that to me was a really nice pattern to see. Is, is is actually there's a lot of collaboration happening all over the place to make Linux happen.
0: Yeah, this idea of GNOME versus KDE or
1: whatever—it's—it's it's not a real rivalry. It's—it's it's a rivalry stoked up by. It's such a fallacy. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if it's this like natural desire or need to have a this versus that mentality. You know, maybe it's a primitive thing, but it's not true <laughs> it's not true at all and in, in the discussions that i had with a lot of these people i think that that's one of the main messages i wanted to try to put out there was man we aren't just all collaborative and that's the way it needs to be to make all of this happen you know we're we're sharing so much of the same technology and it, you know if you just take for instance the open source mobile space these days like how much of some software that someone else has written has enabled you know another technology uh, and another business to take off so I don't know how we change that perspective but I know that perspective is is often touted and it's and it's wrong uh, and I'm so happy to celebrate that I love that it's uh, all about collaboration
0: yeah I'd love to see uh, when there's a Fedora release the Ubuntu account on Twitter will congratulate them and <laughs> yeah. vice versa. And, you know, there's clearly some sort of commercial rivalry. If you look at, you know, Ubuntu and Red Hat, there is, they're competing for the same customers ultimately. Fair enough. But there's probably more sense of collaboration than there is rivalry because there's, there's enough customers to go around almost, is the sense that I get from talking to people on the actual inside of these companies.
1: Yeah, I was just this week looking at some Intel microcode bug reports, um, because my mother was having some issues and that turned out to be the problem. Uh, but I was looking specifically on, on some of the Ubuntu, um, launchpad sort of, you know, bug trackers and more often than not in the, in the Intel stuff, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, here's a link to another distribution chatting about this. And, and the, you know, maintainers just collaborating to try to figure out what's going on. And I think that's happening constantly. You know, I had a chat with some people at System76 who said, oh, yeah, there's no way we would exist without all of the collaborations that we have constantly. Uh, You know, Daniel at elementary said the exact same thing, that he collaborates constantly with tons of distributions to try to come up with sort of unified solutions to some problems that we're all facing.
0: Okay, this episode is sponsored by Datadog the unified monitoring and analytics platform for comprehensive visibility into cloud, hybrid and multi-cloud environments. Quickly analyze the performance of your Linux servers in real time with customizable dashboards and troubleshoot Linux issues in seconds with a unified view of your metrics, traces and logs all in one place. With integrations for over 400 technologies, You can even use Datadog to monitor key Linux source metrics alongside data from the rest of your stack to get full visibility into the health and performance of your entire infrastructure. Start your Datadog trial today by visiting datadog.com slash late-night Linux. Start your free trial, create one dashboard, and you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash late-night Linux quick bit of admin then thank you everyone who's supporting us on paypal and patreon it makes episodes like this possible if you want to join those people you can go to late slash support and remember for five dollars or more you can get an advert free rss feed and if you want to get in contact late night slash contact when i was on brunch with brent you always have that question at the the end or towards <laughs> the end where you uh Ask for a message or whatever, yeah. and and mine was uh, about more critical thinking and um, the naivety that I see. I think that's the word for it. Right. Um, with a lot of Linux users, sort of being willing to put up with stuff because it's open source, uh, which you know is is good in a way. Um, it, it's in in some sense it means putting up with half baked solutions to things. Uh, I mean, just yesterday. I was talking to my friend about uh, Mumble and explaining what it is. And I said, oh, it's kind of open source Teamspeak." And then he had a look at it and he said, oh, right, yeah, that looks horrendous. (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah, the user interface isn't great, but it's a a great piece of software. But, you know, I, I feel like as Linux and open source users, we're kind of, especially on the desktop, we're kind of willing to put up with stuff that, people who are not used to linux and open source just wouldn't put up with.
1: Hmm. Do you think it's because we are willing to put our ideals first and put up with a bit of, you know, technological maybe being behind slightly in order to sort of prop up some other things that are important to us?
0: Yeah, I think definitely that is probably the root cause of this problem, if you want to call it a problem. I mean, I'm not a particularly visual person, so it doesn't really matter to me what Mumble looks like. And that's only one small example. I think that when it comes to the software itself, it's it's not a huge issue because if there's something that is well used enough, then it will receive the polish that it requires because someone will throw money at it. Mm. You don't have to look at Chrome OS, which is arguably the most popular Linux distro desktop at least and it's not really a distro because it's not properly distributed and Mm -hmm. licenses blah 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 but in terms of desktop Linux it is the most widely used I would say Uh, I I don't have any data on that but um, that's my understanding at least and that has had Google money thrown at it and that's why it's a very polished experience the same goes for a lot of the server software that's running critical infrastructure that's had a lot of money thrown at it and that's why The whole world basically runs on Linux. But I think that in the Venn diagram or whatever you want to call it, the subset of Linux users who are desktop Linux users, there seems to be a rose-tinted, wide-eyed naivety Mm. about things, not just software, because I see people getting taken for a ride. I'm not going to name names or companies or whatever who have done that, but anyone who steps back a little and uses a bit of critical thinking can see that people in this community have been taken for a ride and have been, you know, conned out of money essentially by certain entities. And people seem to just look the other way and, and almost not even want to talk about it. I mean, I, like I wouldn't name names because it's not a good look within our ecosystem to do so.
1: Yeah, we're surprisingly small, so um some of that negative energy is best left out. But maybe it's, I think, partly because the software we use is based on a web of trust. You know, other people are, are building it, and we want to trust those people implicitly so that we can advance it, and, and the more users are using their software, the better it is. But I think you're right. We can be too blindly trusting, and... Those road colored glasses you talked about, sometimes you got to peek over them and, and and see what it actually is that you're looking at. But uh, so maybe one question I never got to ask you on that brunch is um, what do you propose is the solution, you know? critical thinking is super important, but it's a learned skill too, isn't it? And uh, where to learn those. And, and for some of us like you, especially, um, you know, I feel relatively young in this Linux world compared to some of, of, of the people out there, but um, we don't always have the history that has happened in the last, you know, decade or two, sometimes three uh, to have the context to some of these personalities, some of these projects that are maybe taking advantage in ways that aren't the most generous for all of us. But um, so, Joe, how do we educate those of us who, who, don't, who just don't know?
0: I really don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I've thought about it long and hard. It's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's almost a catch-22, really, that we need people to speak out against these entities. And I'll use that as the the broadest possible term that I can, entities. Sure. Until people start to call them out, Nothing is gonna change and we're gonna continue to have this minority of entities taking advantage of what is otherwise a very positive community. And I'm in a position where I could do that, but I, I don't want to do that because it's not a good look. Throwing shade on people is is never a good look. And you know, there's potential legal implications for that as well when money's involved. And so that's why I can only ever talk about these things in broad terms and hope that people know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I think you and I have been, we've had some insight into some of what's happening out there and it changes you. You know, you, before learning of some of those, I saw Linux and the community as like pretty darn amazing and exceptional. And uh, sometimes the more you learn, the, it Jades you a little bit, um, but I think we so important to look past that to try to keep it positive, to try to not keep it positive in the sense that we're ignoring what's happening, but to try to build it better.
0: I know what you mean, but I still feel bad about not calling people out by name and not taking that risk. Mm. And companies and entities, I again, I have to be careful with this. And you know the 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 insights that I've had have not necessarily been just from from one source of information. It's putting things together, piecing things together, using critical thinking, and, and gathering evidence. I mean, almost everything we all do is on the internet. And so you can find examples of things, and you can put stuff together and see what's going on with these entities. And I think that people just need to do that. But I think that there's a, there's a fundamental optimism that comes with Linux and open source. You you have to be an optimistic person. Yeah, I think you hit it there. There's
1: an optimism. Did you see that
0: optimism in your conversations with your guests? That sort of just always trying to see the the glass half full side of things.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think that was one of the most inspiring things for me is the more I connected with people from all walks of Linux, <laughs> uh, the more I realized that they all carried, you know, deep in there. That optimism to keep going and to work harder and to face some of that adversity to work on what they believe in. I think all of us, we're doing the things we want to do in Linux, whether it's podcasting or web, you know, development or it's uh, maintaining projects or writing documentation. We do it because we want to make the world a better place, and Linux is the thing that we're passionate. About, and that optimism, I would say, existed in every single guest in different ways because they're working on different projects. Some people have been, you know, that optimism has shaped uh, and changed in the last decade or two as they've been working on these projects and seeing the communities change. Um, but I would say that's one of the strings that was true for all guests was just this passion to continue despite the challenges, uh, both technical and social challenges that uh, come with some of what we're doing.
0: Because it is ultimately a social movement at its heart. Mm -hmm. If you look at the very beginnings of free software, it's a technical movement almost as much as it is a social movement, but there is definitely that social movement aspect to it.
1: I think actually that's what's fascinating about Linux itself to me is that it's both and it's always both. It's never just one there's this ideal that grabbed me and pulled me in that exists I think in every project even if it's a deeply commercial project there's still this push to make the world function a little better or function a bit more ideally or be a bit more humanitarian and that's a word that's not often used in software but um you know i some projects like Endless, for instance, is a project that's leaning heavily on the humanitarian side of software. And I think that's super important. But there is also a purely pragmatic side of this. If you look at
0: Canonical and Red Hat, for example, for them to both be collaborating on GNOME together is cheaper than them maintaining their own separate desktop environments, for example. And the same with the other stuff. It makes more sense to collaborate from a financial point of view than it does to have the not-invented-here syndrome.
1: Yeah, it just seems to me like that happens more often than not in this open-source world that we live in. And it happens less than it does in the traditional sort of corporate model. Um, And I think that's a great thing. Um, It is certainly advancing Red Hat and Canonical both, faster than they could do it independently
0: well that seems like a positive note to end on so we should probably
1: wrap it up if people want to get hold of you then where's the best place I think Twitter is a great place so at Brent Gervais that's G-E-R-V-A-I-S of course you can find me uh, you know your favorite pod catcher brunch with Brent you can find it there and uh, I guess right here right well I'll put some
0: links in the show notes so people can find you thanks for joining me man and uh, let's speak again sometime
1: yeah, Joe, thanks so much for having me. I really always appreciate it. It's a, it's great to chat with you.